Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on January the 2nd, 2024. I'm your host, Game Psychologist, and with me, as always, he was on stage. My stage. Ew, bad touch, bad touch. <laughs> Caffeine rage, bad touch. Right. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be having a probably fairly short one. We're going to be discussing our December Game Club, which is War Tales. We're going to tell you what the game club is for January, and that's it, aside from potentially some banner, some jokes, and some bullshit. Some bullshit? Yeah. Timestamps will be in the show notes, following their respective couple of topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are and, you today? And we could always do a discovery queue, you know? We could. We'll see what time it is. It's 10.30. As we begin this recording process, we got a bunch of Franken content, telling some stories. Uh, uh, well, I was telling some stories about my holidays, and we were looking at the Steam Game Awards winners. <laughs> some pointing and laughing, and some. you might think, you might think, well, why isn't that regular content for the show? And that would be a good question, dear listener. <laughs> a good question indeed. Um. But it it won't be. It'll be Franken content for I don't know two or three weeks from now maybe. We've still got some of the backlog. Like we had built up a lot of Franken content, and then if I really wanted to cheat, I could pull some other stuff um, from like my D and D probably higher game. quality content because I'm not there. Yeah, I I don't know about that. A lot worse microphones, but I could pull some of my D&D stuff because I record all of my sessions for note-taking purposes, and I've got all those just kicking around. There's a few funny moments in there, like the one which I mentioned and has now gone up as Franken-content about the two, like, dumb characters getting trapped in a puzzle room by themselves. (laughs) How they essentially just... uh, like buffooneried their way through a, a series of puzzles. I mean, it worked for him, so you know. But broken clock, broken clock, exactly. Uh, but yeah. Do you do? I don't remember this because it only comes up once a year. Do you do New Year's resolutions? No. About resolutions to not do resolutions. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, I'm all about people making changes in their life, but the idea of resolutions is like, well, if you want to make a change, then start making the change. Don't wait for an arbitrary start date. Start doing what you can today. I mean, you know, if it just so happens to be the new year, then great. But, you know, don't decide in September or whatever, like, I should do this, and then wait until January to start it as a New Year's resolution. Just start it. This has been Therapy Life Advice with Jared. Don't wait to make changes. But yeah, I'm I'm not a New Year's resolution guy either. I mean, I have some things that I want to kind of improve this year, but they were things that I was already starting to work on. Getting back into some physical activity, getting making sure that I continue to take care of my health, fixing the, my insurance bullshit from this past year. But I was already doing those things. Oh, I'm building up a little bit of a nest egg. But, yeah, I've been doing that for, like, two months now. Well, I know what you mean. I just picture you over there, like, building up a horde. Like a dragon's horde of, like, cooking gear. 
Hey, you helped out with that. Old cookbooks. I did. I did. I contributed to the horde, which I may uh, uh, pass one on because I have the next version of it. That's fine. If you don't mind. Uh, the Cook's one Country what? one. One of the cookbooks? Uh, okay. Uh, the Cook's Country one, I have the one that is the year after that. Yeah, absolutely. Pass them on. Like, I, I found those. I didn't pay anything for those. I just thought, saw them and thought of you. And, and, and I, I I really wish I wasn't heading to work when I went to Goodwill the, the, just after that. Because I saw the Jeff Foxworthy board game. And first of all, I didn't realize Jeff Foxworthy made a board game. Or yeah, or signed off on a board game, uh, contracted a board game, whatever. But I said that like it was a disease, contracted <laughs> board game. Well, well, well yeah, uh, you, 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 you go uh, too close to you know a couple of dirty stores, and you, it might contract a board game. Ooh, uh, it didn't but, really fit with you. Might be a redneck, but it, <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. Uh, but it was like held together with tape and uh. It, I just took a picture of the front, and I wasn't sure, you know, if it had everything in it. And I, I just knew by the time I got it home, it would have been utterly destroyed. Yeah. So, you know, that was a catch and release. But I, I really wish I would have, like, you know, uh, uh, like, hey, Anita, can you drop by the store? <laughs> I have yeah. something for you to pick up. But and and for the listener, uh, you know, for Christmas, I always find stuff to to send you and you know over the years it's changed as i've gotten a little more money or had a little more time to go like looking for random things and i sent you a shitload of cookbooks most of them uh which uh community cookbooks yeah most of them like church community cookbooks from my local area and i have Um, a soft spot for community cookbooks yeah Uh, they're just uh, so random at times (laughs) I've only gone through a couple of them so far. One of them, uh, actually, the group is intriguing. It's like this group uh, insurance thing that they built up uh, that was built up in like the late uh, 1900s. And it's continued on to present day, uh, although it's morphed over time. It's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. But, um, you know, the Jeff Foxworthy thing, in case somebody listening doesn't know, Jeff Foxworthy is a, a comedian, like a southern comedian. I'm not sure how old he is at this point. I'm guessing in his uh, oh, he's late 60s. Old. Yeah. But um, he's, you know, he's a comedian that I grew up with, given that I'm from the deep south. You know, nothing like a a good old boy doing comedy. And I've watched some of uh, some of his older stuff. And for me, I feel like it still holds up more or less. I mean, he's no George Carlin, but he's yeah, but he's nobody else. Yeah, nobody else is, you know. Um, but so that's that's where that comes from. Yeah, we had just talked about it, and then I saw that. Uh, that goodwill gets some weird shit. Uh, one thing I was also tempted to get at one point. They had a sock monkey. All right, a sock monkey, like a it, puppet. Oh well, well yeah, you know, stuffed animal. Okay. And it was four feet tall. <laughs> okay. I, I was very tempted to get it and just, you know, like, carry it on my back to work. I was like, this is George. He- he's going to be my sous chef for today. That would have been hilarious. I-, 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 I sat there, I was like, can I explain this? <laughs> Should you explain it? What monkey? 
Yeah. What monkey are you talking about? I don't have a monkey. And it was like 10 bucks too. I ended up not getting it and then regretting it. Went back and it was gone. Which, yeah, nah. hopefully, yeah. Hopefully some kid got it, you know? Hopefully George went to a good home. Did uh, did you get much else for Christmas from, like, other people? Like, uh, Not really. Uh, my big thing, which I'll go more in-depth later on, uh, was a combined uh, birthday and Christmas present from Anita. I got mm-hmm. a Steam Deck. Yeah. Woo! So, uh, now it's the uh, low... Uh, uh, memory one, so I'm going to be cracking it open before long. Yeah, you, your and I's big presents went in two very different directions. Because I get a chainsaw, <laughs> which I'm extremely happy. Um, I have been, you know, every year about this time I go. Well, I say every year. This is only the second winter we've lived in this house, but you know, last year there's a lot of woods on the back of our property and dead trees and storm damage and stuff. And I go back and I chop it up. And last year I literally chopped it up with an ax because my chainsaw broke. And so I got a new chainsaw this year. So this weekend I'm going to be out in the fucking woods, cutting up trees, cutting up lumber. But yeah, that's, that's my big Christmas present this year. I got some small stuff. You know, the kid got me a coffee mug. It's a, a narwhal mug, which is very cute. Um, I took it to work. It says something like, um, don't talk to me before you can see the bottom of this mug. Otherwise, I'll stab you with my face or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, I was given some candy, which, you know, give the give the diabetic candy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then some uh, dice sets. Um you know, for local tabletop games and stuff. So I'm now up to 12 sets of of dice. And when I say sets of dice, I mean, you know, the whole shebang to be able to play Dungeons and Dragons. So that's pretty good. Yeah, on top of the Steam Deck. Well, I got a couple of things for the house. You know, like a couple of nice uh, uh, giant blankets, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But that's what I bought, you know. Uh, uh, of course, the cookbooks. And I got a frying pan. Uh, from you, indeed, uh, uh, and it's it's such a beautiful uh, uh, little cast iron pan. Uh, it was actually uh, in a size I was thinking about. It's I have uh, one that's a bit smaller and three that's bigger, <laughs> and it fits perfectly on my induction uh, uh, countertop uh, burner. So it's coming quite handy. I still have one Christmas present I need to deliver. Uh, probably going to be this weekend. I haven't been out to my mother-in-law's house. I got her a walk. Uh, she's really into cast iron, so I thought you know a carbon steel walk would actually work well with uh, what she, do- you know, how she handles things as like a bigger, uh, essentially skillet. Yeah. And uh, now you know, gonna regift a cookbook. Are you gonna give it to her? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she's a a, a country chef, so that you know. Or a country cook, I should say. So it's going to be, like, perfect for her. I'm going to give her the older version. Merry Christmas, Rage's <laughs> mother-in-law. Yeah, I approve of regifting. I I like it when people don't waste things. Yeah, I just didn't want to, you know, like... I just have it sitting on the shelf because it's literally, as far as I can tell, like one chapter more, or one chapter less than the version I had. Yeah. So, you know, 
Uh, be free. Uh, 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 go to the mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still need to, like I said, go through the other uh, comedy cookbooks because uh, you can find some wild shit. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know what's in any of them. I didn't preview any of them. So, well, uh, well, the one I read the most was the one that like from the insurance group, and it's uh, from 1983 or 1984. So, yeah, almost as old as me. Not quite, but. Yo, it doesn't have to get off my lawn, but yo, yo, stay off the grass. Right. And it seems like pretty standard, like, 1980s fare. Uh, but yo, every so often, yo, it, it, it's like a, a little bit of an odd name uh, for something. I, I'm trying to think of a good example of this. Uh, uh, like, more personalized names, I guess I should say, for uh, recipes, yo. Uh, yo, like, uh, um, like uh, Stephanie's casserole, or you know, instead of you know, what's actually in it, right? Yeah, Stephanie's casserole. Uh, I mean, I mean, there. I haven't seen anything outrageous in this one. Uh, I have a uh, sorority uh, cookbook from the sixties that uh, it's a um, it's uh, your uh, hey, your brother in law would love this cookbook. Uh, it's. Uh, all meat and there's hardly any seasoning. <laughs> yep. it, it, it's from the sixties before they invented flavor. Yeah, I found that one at a uh a rummage sale uh shortly before uh, the uh, world went to shit. Well, okay, uh I guess I should specify which version of going to shit because you know, I am I'm forty one, so yeah, it's going quite uh, to shit quite a few times in my lifetime. Yeah, you get fucking old. Sometimes I forget that you're you're in your forties, and then then it hits me like, oh yeah, that's right. Get off my fucking lawn. <laughs> I will. Yes, sir. Oh, all right. We've been like, I, I mean, we've been chatting, but I feel like we're kind of like putting this off. Let's talk about this month's game club, which sounds so ominous. I don't think either <laughs> of us hated it, but it's just kind of like, eh. Uh, but for, for the month of December, we picked a game club, which is uh, which was on Game Pass, although you could have gotten it in many places. It mm-hmm. is War Tales, a medieval turn-based strategy game, um, strategy slash tactics game, with some light RPG elements and some light survival elements thrown in um, for good measure. Yeah, I think uh, I think the best way to say this is it's not bad, but it doesn't. It's not outstanding either. It's mediocre, and that's possibly the worst thing that you could be for a game is that it's just middling. Yeah, it is pretty mediocre. Um, it's got a few unique elements to it, or well, maybe not unique, but more unique or well executed elements. And I feel like its bones are pretty solid. So maybe if you, as uh, glom onto some of the things that we bounced off a little bit, you know, maybe or if you... or this builds up a decent uh, modding community. Yeah, um, you know, it's got a lot to work with. Um, the setting is fine. You know, turn-based medieval strategy warfare is something that's not done to death in the way it's presented and, here. And non-magical. I think that's going to be the kind of the big thing is that so many of these uh, medieval-ish games have some sort of magic uh, to them. And while they, you do have your healing potions, 
it feels more like that's a convenience item for gameplay other than you know, like world building. Yeah. Uh, so you know, you're not going to deal with wizards or you know uh, elves or any of that bullshit. It's more like uh, I'm blanking on the uh, the hardcore uh, medieval uh, RPG that came out a couple years ago. First person. <laughs> yeah, that was no, no, that no, was more no, than a couple no, of years ago. That was more uh, than okay, a couple a years, years ago. A few years ago, then. But you know what um, I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I played it and talked about it, and I cannot remember the name of it. Uh, medieval. I think it came out in 2018. Uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance. Yeah. Yep. Kingdom Come Deliverance. I think it, I think it came out in 2018. Oh uh, yeah, 2018. Pandemic time fucks with you. What can I say? Yeah. I mean, everything is always kind of timey-wimey, but that's especially timey-wimey. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. There, there's a couple of instances that, that I ran into that it's like, oh, is this a witch? And then it's like, no, it's just like some charlatan or, a, you know, mm-hmm. like no magic. So they've kind of played with that trope at least a couple of times. But, yeah, no non-magical. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, I mean, let's talk about it. There's, uh... There is a story that exists in the world that you're playing in. You can kind of ignore it if you want to. Although, if you want to progress, you have to engage with at least the basic story stuff. Yeah, which good luck finding it for me, at least. I find oh. that interesting. Like, so I don't, you, I don't know if I just went in the wrong direction. If I was just, you know, ended up accidentally going in circles. But I went a good ten hours before I hit any story beat. Yeah. Or if I, I just that, had bad luck. I and mean, I just didn't interact with, like, the one guy, right? Possibly. The UI is not super great for any of the out-of-combat stuff. So you, you start out, you build a mercenary company, it gives you a, free, a few starters that you can um, pick from, and there's some stuff that you can do to change them up a little bit. But by and large, you know, at least for your first playthrough, you should pick one of the pre-made Merc companies. And maybe just make a few tweaks to them. Um, and then it plops you down in the world with some basic resources. You get a little bit of a tutorial about what to do. You know, you get like a quick tutorial battle um, and an introduction to like food and maintenance of your weapons and gear and, and, and such as that. And then you're told, hey, there's a village nearby. Go to the village. And then that's kind of where the, the, the game, the real game begins. And in the village, there are several places that you can go. There's a blacksmith shop, there's an apothecary, there's an inn, there's a market district. And in a few of those places, there are characters who will interact with you and give you uh, missions that you can do. And a couple of those are story line missions, which lead you into the campaign stuff. Did you not run into any of those guys? Or I just didn't go through the, uh, all the dialogue, which is also a possibility. I must have just went over it. Yeah, I guess. Because um, there's there's a guy in the marketplace that sets up like a little side quest that mm-hmm. it starts to teach you about professions. There's a couple of people in the. I didn't hit. I didn't hit him. I'm not sure if it just kind of wandered off into the wilderness or what. Yeah, there's a couple people in the inn. One of them is like specifically like a you know kind of like a quest giver. Yeah, I guy. Did. Yeah, I ended up doing a bit there to basically build up cash. Uh, the uh, the bounty guild person. Yep. 
Which I'm not sure if those are set quests, if they're randomly generated or what. Well, so the bounty guy has got the first quest that leads you into the main story, because he tells you to go out to some caves and uh, help some local uh, guardsmen. Yeah, I picked that up and I never did it. Yeah, the game doesn't tell you that that's a main quest, but it is. Like, you go and you do that quest, and you get two options. You can either help the guards, like you're supposed to, or you can help the bandits. Um, And either way, like, that's the first... When you complete that quest, it pops up, like, missions one of five for the area. Mm -hmm. And you can flip-flop sides on that one, because you basically it sets you up to either work for the bandits or well the bandits to work for the the refugees who everyone in the local area is like yeah these guys are terrorists they suck because uh, they're refugees or you can work for the local mm-hmm. government um, and clear out the refugees yeah which boy that that, that uh, is a little heavy-handed with with current politics in the u.s huh yep yep and uh surprise surprise the local government pays better than the refugees I mean, kind of expected on that one. Yeah. I'm get I I wound up going with the local government route. Like the game really does reinforce like, hey, you're a mercenary company, altruism will get you killed because you mm-hmm. can't afford to pay or feed your people. Mm-hmm. And if you can't pay your people, your mercenary company disbands. Um I mean not immediately, you start to they start to build up like unhappiness and then they will leave. And mm-hmm. if you can't feed them, then they starve to death. So and there is permadeath. There is permadeath. It's really hard to to if you it, maybe later on in the game it gets easier, um, but in the beginning it's really hard to take those uh, refugee quests because they just can't pay you enough of anything, food or money. Mm-hmm. So, just for the sake of progressing the game, like I did the missions that were for the the local townspeople, um, and you. You know, so you clear the mercenaries out, or not the mercenaries, you clear the bandits out, and then you track down a local sort of uh, leader for the refugees, and you fight him and you kill him in battle, and then you track down a hideout of theirs, and you kill the people in the hideout, and then you uh, chase down some remnants around the map, and then you get into, like, a final confrontation that's like, these are the rest of the the refugees, and you gotta fight them and defend the village. And I mean, it's fine. They're all fine missions. And I do like I do like the open world map, where you can kind of just march your, your mercenary band around. Mm-hmm. Although, little... I did hit a couple times, uh, sorry, I wanted to throw a thing on the world map. I had a couple times where it looked like I should be able to walk through a place, and I couldn't. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if it's just, like, bad level geometry, uh, an invisible wall, or what, but yeah, there was a couple times I was like, uh, why can't I go up this hill when the path uh, that is over there is actually steeper and more treacherous? Yeah. Nope, that does happen a few times. You're right. Um, but you can run into random encounters. Like, for example, I ran into a roving bandit group, but they would let they would leave me alone because I didn't have like I hadn't joined a particular faction. And so they would be like, Oh, do you support these people? I'd be like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And they'd be like, okay, we'll go on before we hurt you. And I could just like keep interacting with them. As long as I picked that dialogue option, I didn't have a reputation for mm-hmm. being a part of whatever group. And then I ran into a, uh, 
like a knight who was being attacked by wild boars and wolves. Um, helped him out. Ran into a few situations with random bandits and things. But I, I kind of like that. I like that exploration because you can find a prison. And that's... Let's talk about the economy, actually, for a minute. The game, you know, because it is doing the whole you have to keep your, your mercenary company going with food and equipment and money to pay your people to keep their gear going and to keep their bellies fed, you have to have ways to make money. And certainly doing jobs is is a way to get some money, but that is, it, at least in the first village, the jobs are, are not enough to fully sustain you. Mm-hmm. So you have to find other ways to make money. And the few other ways that you can make money, later on you're able to trade between the main villages of the different map points. Um, and then... Uh, you can obviously like any loot that you find, you can sell it. Um, you can do some fishing. You can sell loot you get from fishing. You can sell the alchemy that you are the, uh, rather the potions that you make as an alchemist. Um, but I think the main way that it wants you to earn money in the beginning of the game is to capture people instead of killing them and take them to the jail, uh, for, for bounties to, you know, to ransom off your prisoners. And, but you have to like find the, the, the prison. I don't think it tells you where it is. At least I stumbled upon the prison accidentally. That was a pretty neat mechanic. Although until you get them there, you got to feed them. Mm -hmm. So it's like pros and cons, but, but yeah, so the the game, the, the light RPG elements come from you having a few different classes, um, sort of main classes and then as you level up, you can specialize into subclasses. So your six main classes are swordsman, warrior, spearman, brute, ranger, and archer. And then they have subclasses. Uh, for example, the swordsman has three. You can be a protector, a fighter, or a swordmaster. And they each get sort of different things. Uh, think of them as like things that they are proficient with or, or able to do. And then they get little special abilities. Um, which we'll get into that in a minute. So each of these has got these different, has got several different subclasses that they can go into. And you want to have a relatively balanced mercenary company. You can also recruit, or not recruit, but get animals that help you fight. I never got any animals, though. Oh, okay. I did get a couple animals. Uh, I'm torn on those because they are not player-controllable. Oh. Directly, uh, they're run essentially by the AI, which oh, the AI in this game. We'll, we'll the AI really to, we'll, sucks. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but, but, uh, but the ranger uh, class gets a an ability to somewhat uh, direct them, but yeah, you know, it's yeah, you know, like uh, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, go bite that in the ass, right? So I had um. I had one swordsman, one warrior. The swordsman, mm-hmm. the warrior, they kind of do the same thing. Um, they're frontline, the yeah. They're they're frontline damage dealer, tanky type of people. Um, and the swordsman focuses on swords, and the warrior gets axes, um, and some specialization based on that. But at the start of the game, they do basically the same thing, and then spearmen are kind of a little bit of jack of all trades. Like historically the spear was one of the most well-rounded and useful weapons in combat um, because it had some reach. You could throw it. 
Um, you could kind of choke up on it and use it in close quarters. You could use it with a shield. So spearmen are like jack-of-all-trades. Um, brute, which is like a... Think like um, like Barbarian or something from, from Tabletop. Like, they're like... They, they get up close and they do a lot of damage and they've got kind of uh, area of effect, crowd control type things. And then the Ranger and the Archer. And the Ranger is like your sneaky character and the archer is an archer mm-hmm. um i had one yeah, archer which, uh, which archers uh friendly fire is in play friendly so, fire is in play so you have to be very careful about the positioning on archers uh and sometimes you have to be more careful than what you think on uh just how uh wild the archers can be yeah uh whenever you aim there's a percent chance that you'll hit one thing or the other and i found that it you basically have to be like at not quite ninety degrees, but I would say eighty-ish, maybe seventy-five, uh, to completely eliminate the uh, chance to hit someone that their uh, that uh, target is fighting. Yeah, it, it just feels like a too narrow of a band for the scale of things. And if you hit a friendly uh, uh, player. Well, uh, it starts a bit of a conflict between them because their relationship goes down. There is the a relationship factor going on between uh, different mercenaries uh, in your group. And I never got far enough to really trigger anything noticeable about it. However, I never did either. I was uh, how, really careful, though, with my yeah, friendly fire. Yeah. Uh, I, well, they're uh, looking at some of the skills that you could get later on. You know, like drinking buddies uh, uh, and that sort of thing. It sounds like it uh, drastically improves their happiness if they're working together, mm-hmm. which makes them easier to you know, deal with overall. But yeah, it, it, uh, archers felt almost like a bit of a sucker's pet if you had too many. Yeah. I had, I had one swordsman, one warrior, one spearman. One ranger and one archer. I had an archer, a warrior, uh, a a swordsman. I had one. I had one with a, a two-handed sword and one with a sword and shield. Uh, a spearman, and I had a fifth guy, and I can't think of what he was. I I, I want to think like a a rogue or a thief or something, because he had a dagger that and did a bunch of poison abilities. That's probably the the ranger. Because the ranger gets the cutthroat and the poisoner, which both okay. do do that. Which those... whenever I think ranger, I think you know, uh, bow and arrow for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, but no rain. Yeah, but yeah. Um, which, as far as classes go, it makes sense. Every time you level up, you get um, some basic stat upgrades, and you want to lean into the stats for what your character is good at, so that they will be better at that. You get increased health more damage then you unlock abilities which you can use in combat um which again we'll talk about in a minute so that's those are the classes and then there's this other thing where that you can give uh have your people get professions which give bonuses some of them in combat or out of combat and some of it is is more passive and some of it is more direct action like for example well i'll just i'll just read all the professions tinkerer angler Blacksmith, alchemist, cook, uh, thief, scholar, 
and miner, as in like mining ore and stuff. Um, so cooking has got a bonus outside of combat to where that you your people make better food. And so you can get more for less in terms of you don't have to spend as much food to be able to feed your people every day. And as they level up in their cooking skill, that can provide bonuses to the rest of your people. Mm-hmm. Um, and different recipes give you different bonuses. Which cook is a really good one. Um, blacksmith is a good one because it lets you craft uh, items. Tinkerer is, has some usefulness. You can craft a few things like lockpicks. Um, but mostly Tinkerer reduces how much materials you have to spend to maintain your equipment. Angler is fishing, which can help you feed your your people, and you can occasionally get, like, treasures out of the water. Um, but for the most part, that's, like, it's it's B-tier. Like, if your mercenary company gets big enough, then it wouldn't hurt to have one angler, just so that it's, like, anytime you pass a lake or a river with a fishing spot you could you know fish some extra food but it's yeah, it's definitely yeah, b tier yeah it was frustrating whenever uh you only had a handful of uh catches that you could do yeah for so, whatever reason yeah tinkerer and angler i would say are b tier uh blacksmith <sighs> blacksmith is weird you could totally avoid the system but i think what you can craft as a blacksmith is better than what you can find or buy in the world um, cooking is pretty much a non-negotiable. Those bonuses are extremely useful. Alchemist, uh, you can make the potions and poisons and other medicines, um, in the game. Extremely useful. Need that. Uh, thief, um, lets you steal items and g- lets you pick locks. So, could be useful, but I don't think you have to engage with that part of the game. Scholar, uh, you have to have a scholar. That's how you research new, uh, like, class abilities and other things. Like, I mean, you have to have one. There's, you can do some things without a scholar. It's not like you have no progress, because when you start the game, nobody has any profession. But scholar is, like, a must-have. And then minor, I mean, you can find, you can get ore, which is, you know, it's B-tier or C-tier. Like, it's useful if you've got a big enough mercenary company. Um... Or, like, you can train into a job at any time. There's no cost other than sort of the inability to have another job unless you give it up. So whenever you run into this stuff in the world, you can have kind of, like, you know, like your B-tier or your C-tier bitch who changes back and forth between, like, maybe angler and mining or, you know, tinkerer or, you know. But you lose built-up experience if you change professions. So, and, I mean, that that's it. Those are Those are the professions and what they do, basically. You have to engage with a couple of them to be able to really progress the game. But for the most part, you can take them or leave them. There are some good bonuses that come with with a couple of them, but you don't have to engage with them. And this is where, like, the game has good bones. And this is like, well, okay, like, this is a decent system. You could do more with this to make it more interesting or to make it more, you know, applicable in some way. Like, you could do more, and you didn't. So, I mean, all that's really left to talk about is combat and the things that revolve around combat. Um, I would say just the general progression too, you know. Okay. Uh, uh, wherever you're, uh, Starfield is. Uh, well, we talked about this before uh, recording, but Starfield has kind of scarred me on just how little I'm willing to deal with mechanics that feels like it, it's designed solely around wasting my time. Yeah. And 
This has a couple of those. So there's the... I'm blanking what they actually call them, but uh, essentially it's almost like an achievement system built into the game where if you do certain things, you uh, start building up points to spend there, which, yeah, okay, fine. Uh, But then you have the knowledge system, which as you uh, do things in the world, you gain knowledge, you get points to unlock things. All right, great. Uh, Well, what can you unlock on this? Uh, You can unlock the ability for your mercenaries to sprint. Okay. Uh, You can unlock the ability for them to uh, put waypoints on the map. All right. Or you can learn to make a fishing hook with your blacksmith. Or your tinker or whoever uh, that one is. It, it feels very haphazard on what's this, what, what you can d- do with it. Yeah. And then there, you, you know, that's just the one point of it. Then you could go down and, you know, you're spending multiple points and you're, you know, like, reducing the amount of hunger that your mercenaries have. So, uh, you'll be able to march further on the same amount of food or, you know, or have it where the, uh, accept less pay or, but the thing is that it's tied also into the crafting system. And if you have multiple people running, you know, necessary skills, you're going to hit a problem where, you know, you're trying to de- deviate points that you just can't afford to put elsewhere. Yeah. And some of those, like, there's a few that are situationally useful. Like, there's one that where your party can get more food from cannibalism. Like, you can always engage in cannibalism. So anytime you kill somebody, you can keep their bodies in your inventory. Uh, um, well, uh, well, there, there's... Uh, you have to unlock the skill for them to not get a massive debuff from it. Right. Right, that's what I meant, sorry. But yeah, so you can engage in cannibalism kind of freely. Instead of just like as a survival tactic. All the bodies are really heavy. (laughs) But, yeah. So, the AI is stupid. um, And some of the problems that exist with the AI would be fixed if you could just have control over your units. I didn't, you know, I didn't get any animal uh, companions, but... You know, you saying that you can't control them. It's like, why? They're on my team. I want to be able to use them in a way that's effective. There are some environmental things that exist. Yeah, like spears or or a bear trap in the ground. or Yeah, I was going to say there are traps or certain environmental things. Like in the first cave you go into, like like there's a Mm cave-in that can happen. and Or if you're fighting in bad weather, lightning could uh, strike. uh, Yeah, Zeus saying, fuck this spot in particular. Yeah. So... You know, being able to, or not being able, rather, to control your units to deal with that is just awful. Because that means that they can either trigger traps, and you can't do anything about it, or be in the, you know, in the splash zone, basically. Um, That's awful. And, like, games solved this problem years ago. The XCOM games, there's probably others, but, like, the XCOM are the easiest ones to point at. Turn-based strategy games that, like, in XCOM... When there are missions where you have to protect people, you get to control the people that you're supposed to protect. And it's like, yes, they're weak and they're squishy, but you can move them at your pace and hide them. Um, and that's just such an easy fix to me, so that you as the player don't have to contend with the brain-dead AI. 
the enemies having branded AI can sometimes work to your advantage um, or be really confusing because they're mm-hmm. stupid and they make poor decisions. But your you being punished for your, your friendly NPCs having bad mm-hmm. AI is unsatisfying, very frustrating. Yeah, that actually prevented me from getting a lot further in the game because uh, once I finally got to the story quest for the region, the opening region, uh, one of the ones I triggered uh, was a, you know, I'm up against, do I want to help the refugees or do I want the guards? Well, at this point, I've done quite a few bounties, so I am you know, have a fair little nest egg. A uh, little low on food, but eh, I, I could go to town and buy food. So I decided, you know, I'll help the refugees out. You know, get some wood because, you know, who who doesn't like a, a, a large amount of wood, right? Right. Definitely like the wood. So uh, start a fight and uh, have to, you know, it's a VIP mission. Yeah, a, a, a classic uh, and never, ever a frustrating experience. And you have to protect uh, one guy in particular uh, and keep him alive. I swear, I think he found every single way in that battle to get himself killed. At one point, one of the rangers or rogues or whatever put down a, a couple of uh, poison clouds, uh, which is a fairly low-level ability. And his turn comes up, and he just waltzes right through him to try to you know, go stab uh, uh, the ranger in the face. And, you know, it's a bunch of poison debuffs on him, and I don't have a way to cure that. And he goes from, like, full health to dead in, like, two turns. And I eventually just got fed up with it after three or four attempts at it. And the thing is that, you know, these aren't, you know, short attempts. Battle actually feels a bit sluggish in this game. And I know, I know, I know, it's turn-based. But everything just moves so slowly. Oh, no, it's slow for a turn-based game. Okay. It, it is slow. Okay, okay, uh, okay. I, I, I'm glad it's not just me, then. It feels like, and I think playing, like, Baldur's Gate 3, like, <laughs> while I'm playing Kids, this... Like, damn you. <laughs> right. Well, I think, I think, like, this does reveal, like, because I didn't think anything about it. I haven't played a turn-based game other than Battletech in a while, and Battletech is me playing it laden down with so many mods. It's It slows it down a lot anyways. Because it, you know, the computer's got to think a lot more, and animations take longer, and like, there's there's just only so much you can do when you've got, you know, enough mods, you know, mods that are the same size as the game install, like sitting on top of it, you know. So I don't really think about it. But comparing this to something like Baldur's Gate three, which is also turn based kind of tactical combat, it like everything it, it just takes a second. Everything just seems like it takes a second or two. You you click on something, and like then you just wait for like just a second. And it, it, it add like those seconds add up. And then the AI seems to like, you know, for being as dumb as they are, sometimes it feels like they really take their sweet ass time. And then like the movement is slow. The attack animations are slow. And, and and it's all just slow enough that doesn't really feel slow until you you have to go through the same battle. Yeah. Several times. Yeah. Yeah. So. In in combat though, I mean it's your standard turn based fare. You you've got a certain amount of movement um, that your characters have, and that can grow based on their stats or change based on their gear 
or certain abilities that they can get, which we're almost there. Or, uh, or, how, or how muddy it is. Yeah, or how muddy the ground is, or certain other um, environmental effects um, that can change your movement. Um, so you've got that, you've got movement, and then you can attack, and as you level up or get abilities, you might be able to attack multiple times in a turn. It it just depends. Um, but, you know, you, you can attack. You can use items, which there are items on the battlefield that things like hatchets or spears that you can utilize as part of one of your, your actions on a turn. Um, but also there are items that you can use from your inventory, you know, your potions, your, your antidotes, um, other things that you can get that you can deploy or use in the middle of battle. And then, and then you have your abilities. Each character has got a certain amount of points. And I, I cannot remember right off the top of my head, what these are called where that you can spend on using your special class abilities. So well, don't forget, you also have the ability to start with a couple of them. You do. Yeah. You, you start with a couple of them. Um, but during, during battle, you earn more of these by completing special actions. There might be one that it's like, if your character gets a killing blow, then he generates a point where that he can spend it on one of his special abilities. Or if you start your turn next to an ally after, you know, backstabbing, like as, as the, the rogue or uh, ranger, whatever. Um, (laughs) Or if you, uh, you know, take so much damage in a round or block an attack. Like, there's there's a bunch of little trigger conditions to get these points back. And then they let you, let you use your special abilities, which are, they might be like a special charge attack, or it might be like an aimed shot that's guaranteed to not hit an ally, or one of the, like, poison cloud things. Um, certain weapons can just do that, but, you know, maybe like you throw a smoke bomb or a poison bomb or rally... You know, rally your your allies, and they gain a little bit of health back because they feel inspired, or you know, stuff like that. Um, there's there's a decent amount of of special moves, and these for the most part can be really useful turning the tide of battle. Um, I don't know what sort of the recommended size is for mercenary companies, but I stuck kind of to five, and for general combat, that's fine. Some of the special missions or some of the story missions can throw more people at you so that you're feeling a little overwhelmed and in those moments those abilities can really turn the tide of battle that little bit of extra health might be the line between between life and death for one of your people or um you know that extra attack that you can get by using that ability might be just enough to kill somebody and even the playing field like so they can make a difference but also there are lots of times when they don't feel like where i don't feel like using them you know because there's no magic, you know, pros and cons, like one of the cons of not having magic is it's like these abilities are not super flourishy, not super, you know, special. They're not connected to any kind of magic or gods or whatever. So it's like everything is like, we'll just do a little more damage or have just a little bit, a little bit more utility, which makes a difference, but is, can be really boring. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think if they just added a little bit more flourish to it, and I'm not even talking about particle effects. I'm just talking about uh, make it so that it's it's a little bit more flashy. Like um, one of the fighters I have, uh, his skill that he has right now uh, is a uh, uh, essentially a, a triple strike. And yeah. if he crits, uh, he'll... Uh, give himself rampage which is a fairly decent damage boost 
But uh, the animation for it is literally just him you know, doing a weak-ass swing of the sword three times instead of, like, any real, like, flourish or, you know, flashy movement. Yeah. And the the uh, tooltip of it, uh, you know, makes it sound like this uh, you know, really badass, you know, difficult-to-do move. It's like, ugh. Whenever you see it used in combat, and it just didn't really, you know, click with me with that until you brought it up. That, you know, it just doesn't really sell it. You know? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be over the top. You don't have to be uh, overly flashy. But whatever you take magic out of the world, uh, uh. Yeah, or yeah, with this yeah level of technology, you have to make up for it somewhere to try to you know sell the combat, right? Yeah, I think and this just didn't do it. I'm, this is I have no evidence for this, right? This is just kind of my speculation based on my other thoughts and feelings on the game. I feel like there was a design decision made at some point, like a deliberate design decision to be like, okay, we're gonna try to be fairly realistic with this. And fancy combat flourishes were not used very often in regular combat. They were mostly used for, you know, sparring, dueling, exhibition kind of stuff. So we're not going to have these guys be big, flashy combatants who are doing really cool, elegant sword strikes or swings. And I can understand that, but it, yeah, it really no-sells the, the effect of the combat. And when you don't have magic, when you don't have guns, when you don't have anything else to add to or shift the focus to, you just got guys wailing on each other with swords and clubs. You need a little more. Because I don't feel like this game is lazy. I don't think it's bad. I don't feel like it's lazy. There were some things where they had some misses. But like overall, it's like a a, a pretty okay game that feels maybe a little little average. But like... It doesn't feel like, you know, put together like garbage, you know? It doesn't feel like a scam. So, I feel like it was deliberate. Like, it, yeah, because it doesn't feel incompetent. Yeah, and kind of the problem with that is that, um, you know, I, every time I play this, I'm just sitting here thinking about Mountain Blade, which, no, it's not story-based, but the thing is that the world built its own stories uh, and we're t- I'm talking about the old Mountain Blade, not the new one that you know, came out fairly recently that uh, is basically just more advanced. I haven't done enough time with it to really be able to deep dive into you know, the systems. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking about while it doesn't have the, you know, like interplay of uh, mercenary, uh, the, your individual mercenaries, partially because of just the scale of it. The world felt so much more alive because, you know, you saw the movement of troops, uh, uh, countries bickering about one another, and the game built essentially its own, like, uh, immersive stories through that, instead of, oh, we really hate refugees. Yeah. And, And I get it. Refugees, especially in medieval times... Uh, or, yeah, like, the ultimate scapegoat, right? Yeah. But it's it just, without the proper world building, and maybe I missed this, it, it, oh, 
Hang on. <laughs> oh, be right back. Yep. Welcome back. Everything okay? That sounded like yep. a fire alarm. Yeah, for whatever reason, the smoke detector went off. So I went... <laughs> and here was asking, are you done? No, oh, I'm going to sit here and burn to death. <laughs> yeah, if it's, if it's a real fire. <laughs> so, yeah... I think it's just dusty and we need to dust. Yeah. We're, both of us are working and my weekend is offset by one day. Basically, I'm like recovering on Friday. Anita's recovering on Saturday. And then I go back to work on Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah, honestly, do you need to dust? And, and the smoke detector in the pantry slash what's supposed to be a dining room has like a hair trigger. It's one of those, right? Yeah. And they're hooked together, so the one in the dining room sits off the one in the living room, and the one in the living room uh, just goes nuts. And Good in theory, but whenever, yeah, you know, it has a false alarm, right? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so we were talking about combat? Yeah. Um. You know, we had kind of, you, the last thing that you were saying was like, it doesn't really present itself very well. It's very lackluster. And we had kind of been discussing that, how that it doesn't really, it seems like it's a deliberate choice to try to go for sort of a realism sake thing as opposed to incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. I think if uh, you really get into this game, this is, you know, if this is your jam, it's going to be amazing for you. But the thing is that for everyone else, it doesn't really or, or I guess I shouldn't say for everyone else because we don't aren't the general audience, obviously. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it, it's uphill battle. How about that? Yeah, and there does seem to be a bit more, uh, a bit mo- uh, modding community building up around this actually, or at least a it has a couple pages of mods on uh, Nexus mods. Which is good to have a little bit of modding support. I haven't, I haven't looked at, at Nexus mods. I don't even really consider it. You know, not that it wouldn't be worth modding, but like I just, eh. Well, I was trying to go in uh, stock, and part of what I was playing was uh, uh, also going to be something I talk about in a week or two. Since I have the Steam Deck set up, I went up to Xbox Ultimate uh, Game Pass. Yeah. And doing a little bit of the streaming as well. Which. This game, where it's so damn slow, yeah, was a really good candidate for game streaming. Yeah, although any turn-based game, more or less, is pretty good for mm-hmm. game streaming. You know, there there could definitely be some turds out there for sure, but, you know, turn-based nature means that the inherent either instability or latency of, of streaming doesn't interfere too much with your yeah, gameplay experience. I will say that Forza actually plays somewhat well with it. Uh, but, you know, Forza Horizon 5, I should say, but once again, hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it feels like we're just kind of circling at this point. Pretty much. It, it, it's very much not for us. For either of us, it seems. Which is disappointing for me, you know? Yeah, I was really hoping that it would be something I enjoyed. Like, it looked like something that I would really enjoy. I feel like the game is a pretty solid, like, B. Mm-hmm. Maybe even, like, B plus for the right person. I would say the AI takes it to B minus for me. That's fair. Whenever, you know, the seeing, uh, you know, ally AI just, you know, 
stupidly charge into uh, to their deaths. It's uh, hard to really want uh, to really give a pass on these days, especially a, a game that you know have so much invested uh, environment and in environmental hazards. It's just you can't have one without uh, and have uh, the other happen, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, with me giving it a B and you giving it a B minus, let's move on to what our next game club game is going to be. Yeah, kicking off uh, the current year. Current year with Steam World Build. Um, this very recently came up on Game Pass. Um, I'm assuming that if you wanted to, you could get it on Steam. Yeah. Yeah. The the Steam World... Uh, it's not even really a series. It, it's like just a its own like world now. The Steam World Universe, maybe? Yeah. The, the, Ste- yeah. the Steam World uh, Gaming Universe. Uh, it has this really unique charm to it. Uh, so it's essentially like Old West meets Steampunk. Only, yo, know, all robots. Robots all the way down. Yeah. But they don't act like robots. You know? Yeah. I do. I, I like the SteamWorld games that I have played, I liked. And um, I'm always up for trying out a new building, you know, city builder or management type game. Mm-hmm. And that's more or less what this is. So, uh, Actually, you're going to be surprised. I've played a bit of it already. Oh, okay. Uh, I will say this. Uh, oh dear, it appears you caught your dungeon keeper in my city builder. Oh, interesting. Which that makes sense with the the Steam World, world, Steam World Universe, whatever. Yeah, I, I I'm uh, very intrigued to go further on this one, and I have a reason to because uh, uninstall. <laughs> Yeah, uninstall. Uh, War Tales, I, I feel so sad. Another entry on the, uh, on the... I really thought I was going to like this but list. Yeah. So, yeah. That'll be, that'll be our January Game Club SteamWorld build. Um, yeah, Cube is trying to influence us for a, a future Game Club. Yep. Which I think we should do. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely. We just, need, we just need to figure out a spot for it. We need the right month. February is a short month, anyways, and I'm going to be gone for a week in the middle of February. Yeah, our next so we, long month is April. We could put it in April. We could bump the April game down to May or a different month. If you want to put it in April, I mean, shit, that's my birthday. My birthday <laughs> month. So I'd fucking play Baldur's Gate for my birthday. Uh, now, the pr- now, the problem is uh, moving April. Uh, May is a short month, I believe. So we would be looking at bumping April all the way back to July. Well, and because we'll, of we'll, the yeah, we'll we'll figure this one off uh, out uh, off uh, air. Yeah, but yeah, because of the nature of it, it doesn't really fit a shorter month. Yeah, April does seem like a really good month to do Baldur's Gate, though. So I'm okay with putting Baldur's Gate in April and us figuring out the rest later. I mean, it's choosing, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, speaking of choosing, I'm sitting here looking at the uh, Steam store page like, do I want to buy something? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but also maybe no. I uh, 
got to pay off my my credit card after my Christmas gift, uh, Steam Christmas gift buying spree for people, and then some other Christmas stuff. So I'm not buying well, anything for. Well see, well, see, the thing is, I've waited to uh, to send out some Christmas gifts because uh, paycheck. Right. Yeah. Uh, I I, I kind of got screwed on uh, December because the uh, pay cycle for Dece- uh, uh, early December was uh, Thanksgiving week uh, on one of them, and I got you know uh, four days off that week, which was really nice at the time. But whenever my paycheck came up like three hundred dollars short, yeah, yeah, you know, I got almost like I would say two thirds of my uh, normal paycheck. It, 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 it hurt. Yeah. So I had to make priorities. Well, I probably won't be buying anything that's not a necessity for the next mm-hmm. month or two until I pay my credit card off. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I shan't be buying anything else from the Steam sale this time. Yeah. Well, for me, I have an interesting situation now. I have Adidas birthday coming up this month, but I also had get three paychecks. So, hmm, right? Yay, triple paychecks. There are pros and cons to being salary versus hour- mm-hmm. hourly, but, like, being a salaried employee, like, never having to think about what you're talking about. Yeah. No, I can never get overtime, at least not in Tennessee. Like, technically, salary people can receive overtime, and in other better states, they, they do, but not in Tennessee. But, like, I never have to worry about vacation or, um, you know, holidays and stuff like interfering with, with my income stream. Yeah, for me, I got, I, I hit hard at Thanksgiving. So it was basically trying to build back up after that. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't destitute, but, you know, it hurt. Yeah. So, um, technically, we could do a discovery queue. But as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I am uh, teetering on being sick. So I think I'd prefer to go ahead and start wrapping up. That way I can head to bed and try to fight off <laughs> whatever plague has been given to me by either the in-laws or my, my child. Oh, God, do you think uh, uh, it's COVID? Oh, uh, God, I hope not. I would really not like to get COVID. I mean, I- we, we are talking the in-laws. We are. Um, Although, considering your father-in-law, it is also possible it's the cooties. <laughs> Speaking of COVID, though, like I, I know I messaged you while I was standing at the pharmacy, but yeah, I was I was at the pharmacy waiting for meds uh, to pick up my meds, and they were busy, and my meds weren't weren't quite ready. And I was like, yeah, I'll just stand over here to the side. It's fine. You know, she said it was going to be like five to ten minutes. Um, and there were these two ladies that had been behind me in line the whole time. And, uh, I guess they, they knew each other. I mean, maybe not, but you know, they, like they were throwing out like names and stuff of people. So I assume that they know each other, you know, probably like they go to church together, but anyways, like they're talking and, uh, the, the first lady's like, yeah, you know, we got sick and we had COVID and Mike and his son had it. And, you know, I didn't feel good. So we just took a few days. And then the other lady was like, oh, are you sure it was COVID? It might be the plague. And and the first lady's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, yeah, they, the, the newsman said that 
you know, the plague was going around, and that was something that they were trying to convince people that COVID was still was still real. But they ain't gonna convince me. I ain't wearing no mask. And they just like had this conversation in line behind me. And then when when COVID lady, um, or plague lady, whatever, gets up to get her medicine, um, her her car won't sweat. Like you know, her car keeps airing out. Like it's not got any money on it or whatever. Like it keeps Oops. throwing the like you know invalid balance or whatever. And so, like, she gets really, she's like, I know there's money on this card, and it works everywhere else I go. And the, the cashier's like, I'm, or the, the pharmacy tech is like, ma'am, I'm sorry, like, you know, I, I I believe you, but, you know, it's not accepting your card, so there's nothing I could do. And she had, like, a whole cart full of groceries. Um, And she's like, ah, oh, this is bullshit. And she just, like, walks off and leaves her cart of groceries in front of the counter. And that lady's like, her look on her face is like, I don't, I don't get paid enough for this shit. And like, absolutely, you don't, pharmacy tech lady, you don't. Um, but yeah, that was that was my experience today. Speaking of COVID, the the two ladies too, like the one who was uh, plague lady, like she looked like what you imagine, like a, a redneck lady talking about this would look like like she looked really rough the other lady was was uh, i'm guessing in her 50s but like she was wearing a floral mask she seemed really present and the other lady was like she just looked bad you know it's like that redneck look of like you're you've got that smoker's complexion and you're not wearing enough clothes and that's that's what she looked like and her teeth were yellow and like messed up looking so that was that was another final story. This one not in the Franken content. Well, I didn't think well, about it earlier because I had messaged you about yeah. it, but to well, talk well, I guess about I could, it, I guess I could toss in uh, Redneck uh, losing his gun. Yeah. So uh, this, uh, I take the bus to work. All right, and have Anita pick me up uh, on the way home. So, uh, yeah, I'm sit- My commute is basically uh, go down to the bus stop, wait for bus to show up. Then drink my coffee and listen to podcasts on the bus. Well, guy shows up at the bus uh, stop uh, about you know two or three minutes before it you know, shows up. Uh, I live at like the end of uh, of uh, one of the routes, uh, so whenever the bus you know comes by, it sits and stays for you know ten fifteen minutes. Uh, yeah, basically synchronizing to the schedule. Right. Yeah, you know, so it makes it a little bit easier to be able to catch it, uh, especially on a cold day, and just, you know, sit on the bus and, you know, chill, right? Well, uh, this guy, he, 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 trying to think of a good way to put, to put this. He had, he, he looked like you took a, uh, uh, think generic camouflage, uh, uh, you know, hunter's jacket, right? Yep. And then you filled it with mashed potatoes. And I'm not talking, <laughs> you know, good, good mashed potatoes. I'm talking like, you know, uh, under uh, 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 hydrated instant mashed potatoes, you know, kind of lumpy and gloopy, and and he talked exactly how you think of rednecks talks, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's supposedly friends with the uh, normal bus driver on this round, so goody, right? And right. and he has one volume, and it's fucking eleven <laughs> when he talks. Exactly what you think, right? Yep. So, uh, yeah, right before the bus uh, shows up, he also 
you know, feels the need to quickly, you know, like power smoke a, a cigarette. You know, he not only has to be loud, he has to stink to high heaven too, right? Of course. No other so, way. Uh, so, okay, he gets on the bus uh, uh, behind me, and, I, you know, I sat down. I put him out earbuds and tried to ignore him, and he's loud enough that I could hear him clearly over my podcast. Oh, joy, right? Mm-hmm. And he starts bitching about losing his gun. All right, yeah, Hunter losing his gun. Hmm, how is this going to work, right? Well, a family friend, I take it. I I didn't get the context on this one. Mind you, I'm actively trying to ignore this guy right now. All right? And trying to listen to Tom Scott's podcast, which, by the way, uh, go check that one out. That one's fun. Yeah, I saw his, Uh, you know, his his end of... Yeah, his end of YouTube thing. And, yeah. they, and I didn't realize he did a podcast, so I checked it out today. I didn't either. I haven't checked it out yet, but I didn't, but, I didn't either until oh, I saw the video. It, it, it's basically like a quiz show, only uh, uh, it's only four or five questions, and it's people trying to reason out the answer. So one of them uh, was uh, two people went to a gala in... Uh, Blanking on where they said it was. One had a white tie and had a marvelous time. The other one wore a black tie and had a terrible time. Why? And they sat and tried to reason out the answer to it. You know, you know why did one guy have a really good time and uh, the other one didn't? And you know, wh- why, right? Or another one of the questions from the latest episode is, in 1893, I may have the year slightly off, but it's close enough. Uh, New York City had a uh, a urgent uh, public works pr- uh, uh, meeting trying to solve a, a public health hazard that 30 years later had resolved itself. What was the public uh, health hazard? Uh, interesting. Payphones. No, 1893? I, I don't know. Oh, 1893. I thought you said 1993. Oh, 18. I will, uh, yeah, I don't know. I will have to check that podcast that, out. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, it, it's called lateral thinking. But anyway, uh, uh, going from lateral thinking to no thinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this guy, yeah, very loud, bitching about his gun, all right? And he loaned it to uh, this guy. And he's talking about, I had this gun since I was 16 years old. I, it was a family heirloom. Uh, and it's like, okay, if it's that important, why, why did you loan this out, right? And I right. loaned it to him because he can't have a gun himself because he's a felon. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> right? Yep. So, turns out this guy loaned a gun to a guy that had been caught with, I don't know how much heroin, and is also hooked on heroin. And uh, yes, uh, there is no plot twist to this story. Where did the gun go? To buy heroin! No, to the heroin dealer to get heroin. He didn't even pawn it off, he just gave it up to a dealer. Straight up trade. Yes. Here, have my gun. Well, have my friend's gun. And... And he's throwing a big ass fit. 
uh, admitting to multiple felonies on camera, I, I might add, right? Yeah. Oh. Because, yeah, it is illegal to knowingly uh, provide a firearm to a felon. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you morally or ethically agree with that, that felons should be or shouldn't be allowed to carry firearms, it is illegal to give a firearm to a felon. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if he's this lax with his guns, I don't think he should have them. No, I agree. But yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a good thing the heroin dealer wound up with the gun. Probably not. That's probably not true. But. Well, don't worry. I'm sure it'll turn up sooner or later. Right. As Exhibit A. Indeed. Yeah. So, Rage, <laughs> where can people find you on, on any of the internets and socials? Oh, I'm Caffeine Rage on Twitter. I haven't messed with Blue Sky too much yet. I, I just kind of thought about that after, you know, you asking me about the socials. Yeah. I don't really tweet uh, anymore because fuck Elon Musk in particular. Maybe we, maybe we could, uh, yeah, p- uh, ooh, ooh, maybe we could weaponize Elon Musk. Maybe we could uh, get him pissed off at a particular company and, you know, just like, here, buy this company, right? Yeah. Ruin this. Here, uh, here, uh, EA uh, said shit about you. <laughs> oh, uh, a boy could dream, right? Yeah, and Twitter has become even more of a cesspool than, than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Like, well, as much as I'm not opposed to the breasts being exposed to my pleasure, like, every time I scroll through my Twitter feed, it's just full of ads for, like, awful, obviously scammy, like, sex-related stuff. Mm-hmm. And and, and I'm is, like, and this is why I do uh, ad block, and I have no issue with that. Uh, well, I block. I scroll Twitter on my phone a lot. Ah, well, you there's your problem. I, you can't can't ad block there. At least with that attitude. Anyways, carry on. Uh, well, I, should I just uh, finish the outro? I guess or, you could or, if you or, want or to. Yeah, finish to carry on with the Or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, Caffeine Rage over there. And I'll try to do something with Blue Sky in like the next week or so. And you've been? I have been Jared. You can find me on Twitter at JMA4707 and the same on Blue Sky. Um, I don't I don't do as much on the social media as kind of perioded as I used to. On Blue Sky, I'll I'll post occasionally about like my tabletop or 3D printing stuff. But for the most part, I just observe. Um, but in other places. Uh, or sorry, th- those are my two main places. Obviously, you can be my friend on our on Steam or on Discord. Um, just find me on our Discord channel. Which, to do that, you could go over to vjlpodcast.podbean.com and uh, find a link to that at the top, and you'll be able to join our Discord. Our little wacky uh, corner of the internet, right? Indeed. And if you wish to contact us more directly, you can do so at at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game related topics. You tweet it to us at VGL Podcast. We do still monitor that, even though, oh boy, it's kind of tough to watch him uh, Twitter these days. This is why I try to stay to my feed and not you know, venture out a little bit more. Whew. Yeah. Or if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash VGM podcast. 
Our intern outro music is on the ground by Kim McLeod. You can find his work over at Incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See ya. Bye-bye.